0: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the revenue generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss the benefits of revenue operations and why a chief revenue operations officer may be coming your way soon. Joining us is Rachel McBeardy who is the chief customer officer at Data, which provides modern revenue orchestration for today's growth leaders. In Rachel's spare time, she's also the host of the OpStars podcast, where marketing operations, sales operations, and customer success operations support each other through sharing ideas, best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. And today, Rachel and I are gonna discuss how and why is revenue operations evolving? Okay, here's my conversation with Rachel McBeardy, the Chief Customer Officer at Lean Data, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. What's it like being on the other side of the microphone?
1: Yeah, hey, Doug. I have to say, I think it's a little bit harder to be a guest than to be the host. The host, you get to sit here and you know, ask questions as a guest. I had to do a little prep to make sure that I could represent my audience well. So I'm excited to be here today.
0: Well, Rachel, I have to say, I'm glad to hear that because I have a small bone to pick with you. Folks, you should know that I've been asking Rachel to be on the pod for months now. So she's finally joining Rachel. I'm not going to take this as an insult, but was it the topic? Is that why you're joining today?
1: Honestly, it was the time, Doug. I really wanted to make sure that I represented my guests that have been on the podcast. Well, I am not the expert in revenue operations. I facilitate conversations on the podcast to kind of connect folks so that we can get those best practices and new strategies for revenue operations, you operations know, out to our community. But I am not the expert and I wanted to make sure that I was prepared to represent those experts here. So I kept delaying it. I did. But apologies for that. Hopefully I will deliver some great content in exchange for the delay.
0: What folks should understand is Rachel is constantly giving me heck. So I get to do it publicly So, Rachel, thanks for taking that (laughs) one. But, you know, that's part of the reason I'm so excited to get you on the show, because you have watched, really, that you've been in the middle of the evolution of revenue operations as a thing, right? So I don't know that the term revenue operation existed prior to you joining Data, And, of course, you've been a really big part of the OpStars community in building that out. And then over the summer, you were audacious, you were bold, and you started a podcast. And we know that's not an easy thing to do. So as a part of that podcast experience, you get to talk to revenue operations professionals who are in the guts of that transition, making that change, right? So Rachel gets to be the clarion, clear voice of what's happening. So Rachel, let's start out with the definition of revenue operations. We just had a chat and talked about how the fact that G2 Crowd sees it completely differently. So Channel, the Upstarts community, tell us what Revenue Operations is.
1: Thanks, Doug. Yeah, it is interesting. I think when I started at Lean Data, Revenue Operations was not a thing. And we recognized that there was value in, in bringing together how my guests are defining it. Teams that support customer success, marketing and sales. So all of those people who are on the front lines it's the operators behind the scenes who are those directors making that buying experience work, right? So you are really bringing a team together and their job is to align customer success, marketing and sales to buyer experience. That's what my guests articulate over and over again. And they might say it in a way, it's saying it's supporting the revenue processes, the tools, the tech stack, reporting, analytics, enablement, but underneath it all, again, the buying journey. So I think what's interesting is bringing this cohorts together in service of that buying journey. And that's really the spirit of what we set out to do is the pain that the buyers go through and experience with your company, realizing that in order to break down silos, you've got to bring the operations teams together to connect across the organization. One of my guests, Jordan Henderson, I think put it well too. He said, we're here to service the buyer journey. Jordan is the director of revenue operations And he reports into a CEO, which we can talk about later. But he said to me something that really resonated. The buying journey doesn't end when the contract is signed. It ends when the customer churns. So I'll just pause on that. So my guests kind of bring that as their mindset into why revenue operations and what it needs to serve.
0: I like that definition, Rachel. And I think that one of the threads that you're pulling on there is this representation of the buyer's journey. And I want to stay on that for a bit, because I think as sales and marketing leaders, as revenue leaders, we understand how critical it is to service the buyer's journey well. But I'd also say that, you know, there's this interesting thing that tends to happen when new ideas and specifically new organizations begin to form, this idea of leadership balanced by pain, right? And so talk to me about how the Opstars community feels about that kind of tilting point. Is it their job to deal with the pain? And when they start dealing with that pain and kind of shifting over to leadership, what are the things that kind of drive them between that balancing point, again, between this idea of I'm dealing with pain versus I see a better way with the buyer's journey?
1: Yeah, I think it starts out very much for ops teams as being that tactical operations group that is dealing with those pains and trying to figure out how to fix them. I think that is sort of, if you think about a maturity curve, that is normally where it starts because you're trying to address, you know, whatever's popping up in the business. And then it starts to get to where, you know what, we can't scale by running around, putting out fires and addressing these pain points. So we really need to start to make changes with scalability in mind, maybe putting that tricks in place like SLAs or things that are going to help us to be more proactive and seeing where where issues are rather than reactive of like, you have to help me, I'm not hitting my numbers. And so then I think it enables them ultimately to get to that final stage of that customer based operations or thinking about that journey. But I think there is a bit of a maturity as you start to build the team. It's difficult to just maybe start with customer based. I think if that answers your, your question, it's a step toward it.
0: Yeah, it does. And so what you're effectively saying is the RevOps team really, it depends on the RevOps team and their place in that maturity curve, right? And it feels like part of what's happening as well is it's like this idea of novocaine. They're novocaine right now. And at some point, you're like, gee, maybe I should brush my teeth. So, you know, where are those RevOps folks between the, here's the novocaine versus brushing the teeth. And what I'd love to dig into here, Rachel, is what are some examples of those acute pain points that RevOps professionals typically are trying to tackle?
1: Well, they'll talk about it as the gaps in the customer experience might be issues with conversion. And by that it's, Hey, why did that customer leave? Why did they abandon that process? Why did it not carry through or gaps and points between the teams or handoffs are falling off. So here a lot about the gaps, how do we bring together bridge the gaps? So passing to the right actor at the right time to meet that customer where they're at so that they stay so that they can improve ultimately the value and velocity of deals because they fix those gaps.
0: Are there some particular gaps that you find are common gaps that they're starting with common pain points that usually you talked about conversions as an example, improving conversions, you know, what's the typical starting point for an ops person in terms of that first pain point they're tackling.
1: They might look at, well, making sure that all the actions are taken that need to be taken. Did you respond when you were routed a lead or have an opportunity that you need to action that's been sitting there and maybe we're seeing activity, but you haven't reached out to that customer. So it's looking for where are we not responding in a timely manner or just not responding at all? So things that they're able to see and get visibility into tend to be that that low hanging fruit.
0: So they initially have exposure to real pain points in the buyer's journey. You talked about conversions as a starting point. And it feels like they're beginning to kind of tackle each of those in kind. And in doing so, they get this bigger picture of what's going well and what's going poorly. So starting point, let's say that's conversions. Is there an end state? Is there this nirvana for revenue operations professionals that they're looking to achieve the moment they spike the football and walk away and retire and go on an island somewhere?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately they would love to have mapped out and design those journeys. And those journeys might be different, obviously, for different segments or different persona, but they're working back from continuing to perfect that journey. And that's become super important now with so much digitization and digital natives. And we have stats of, you know, customers in B2B willing to spend up to 500000 dollars without ever speaking to somebody. You know, this is where focusing on a lot of it being that those digital touch points and making sure it's delivering the best experience possible. It could be then looking once you kind of, you have that framework and they're designing the framework and the the journey experience. It's also looking at, are you attracting the right people? So you'd hate to, let's say you serve a certain, maybe you're just a startup and you serve a commercial accounts or small accounts. It's early parts of your software, right? Life cycle. You're not ready for enterprise yet. Well, if you attract enterprise clients, they come through and do a demo and they see it's not for them. They're not going to come back again later. They're going to remember it wasn't for them. So being super thoughtful too, strategically on who you attracting, are you delivering the right, experience, or are you maybe saying to them, you know, we're not ready for you yet. Let's not take you through a journey. So it's thinking about those two things. What are going to be the touch points and journeys you need to design? And then the underlying processes to support, but also thinking strategically about who to take through the journey and then how to differentiate it.
0: Okay. That makes a ton of sense. And if we were to to look back, let's get into our time machines, Rachel, way, 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 way back three years ago when this idea of revenue operations was fairly new. What was the typical state at that point? Let's call that the beginning of the maturity curve. What was the norm then? Was this very siloed? You've got MOPS and SOPS and CX OPS kind of reporting to different groups. Is that the beginning point for the revenue operations journey?
1: yeah i think we all saw the the amazing rise of all the technologies in each one of those functional areas and you know being able to optimize but what wasn't happening and it was the thought of how do you move the customer along without having it be painful for them or losing you know losing that connectiveness or responding on time and so i think that's really where we got this tipping point where it's like, you can't just have all these technology stacks in isolation and this constant, let me throw those leads over the fence. You do a report, throw it back to me. You know, this need to really be able to centralize the data, manage it, and ensure that we've got this streamlined connectivity across the teams. It is just an evolution, right? That needed to happen. And I think it just sort of was a natural evolution. I think it's just interesting, Doug. I don't know, as a CMO, what are your thoughts on like, We've seen Six Sigma, you know, process rigor in other parts of the business. Why is it taking so long to have that happen in sales and marketing? See
0: what she did there, folks? You see what she did? Rachel decided to ask a host question. Rachel, thank you for asking that question. I don't get to weigh in often, so I will answer the question. What I'll tell you is this. The first thing I'd say is that there's this push-pull thing that's happening out there, right? And the push is we're investing a lot. You nailed it. In my opinion, we're investing a tremendous amount of resources into our tech stacks. And the promise of that when you're starting out is spectacular, right? You think about, gosh, all the different ways I can help conversions. I can have better data. I can communicate better. I can have smoother processes. And then the reality hits and you have all these third-party applications that are disconnected from each other. And it's really, that ends up being the push, if you will. I've invested heavily and now I'm sitting in a place where these things are disconnected. The pull is the board, right? The pull is the investors. And they're saying, great, fantastic. Not even thinking about your stack, right? Think about a board member who knows what's in your stack, doesn't happen, but what they're saying is this, they're saying you need to grow more. And what do we look to as leaders? We think about people, we think about process and we think about data and what connects all those things together? Your RevTech stack, right? So I'd say for me personally, I've seen a lot of evolution and this is probably the most exciting thing I've seen in a really long time because it's the first time I've seen an operations function take the lead, right, potentially to make a change in terms of that future state of architecture and that buyer's journey. There you go. Rachel, there's your answer to that question. No more questions from you. However, we're going to stay on you. And I want to know, are some examples of leadership that you have that you can share with us from that OpStars community that tackled that kind of that elephant in the room and said, I'm willing to stand up and take charge and actually confront the problems with people processing data?
1: Yeah, I think the bravest of those RevOps professionals have made a case to have that standalone team that can operate independently, that can help to think about that end-to-end journey, not the individual silos or, you know, meeting the needs of, sorry, the CMOs, Doug, or the CROs, and really think about what does the business need? How do we achieve those revenue goals? How do we even achieve product adoption? So the boldest out there is saying, we serve the business. The business goals are our goals. We aren't system admins, we aren't trying to fix the technology in and of itself. We are here to say, how do we help the company to improve revenue? How do we improve the speed, the velocity, the volume? How do we improve CSAT? How do we improve NPS? How do we improve and measure that product adoption all of these things are what matter to the growth of the company and we have to be paying attention to them and building the systems. Yes. Be an expert in marketing and an expert in sales and an expert in customer success, but we're going to be the team that are the orchestrators to you know, ensure that that customer gets served across. And like, as Justin has said, you know, the, For him, you know, the journey ends when they churn, we've got to keep them. It's, you know, the flywheel, it's the thinking holistically. So the boldest are really saying we need to be standalone and we need to be thinking how to hit these business objectives. And that I think is, that's pretty massive step to take from, if we think about operations folks as systems admins, behind the scenes, you know, tackling all of those, you know, sort of technical or data issues to saying, You know, no, we need to play this role because honestly, in order for us to prioritize what you need as a business, we actually need to understand the business. And I will say what's really fascinating, too, is the people who are going into revenue operations. I think we saw at the outset it was finance folks because it's sort of revenue operations sort of started in finance. It was kind of a service of finance because they're thinking about revenue you know, and modeling it and knowing where it comes from and maybe a little bit of your cohorts, etc. cetera. But then it got moved really into being this whole operational stack. And now it's starting to attract folks that are, let's say, more innovative thinkers, problem solvers, design thinkers who see the opportunity to really bring in, you know, if you bring in design thinking, what is that? That's the process for solving problems by prioritizing against customer needs. And they think of their prospects their customers and their internal customers as being those customers and then using empathy observation to understand how to serve them in order to hit those goals i mean it is where this is going is really pretty exciting and for me personally as a somebody who's been in customer experience her entire career this is why join lean data because i could see that the formation of this team or, organization is what was necessary to truly become a true customer centric company. I will pause there. That was a lot, but.
0: <laughs> no, that's not a lot because I have to say, Rachel, you're, you're pointing to something that I think is really important, which is why, right? Why are people excited and why is this important? And we've talked a little bit about how these things connect and where people are on the maturity curve, but I think the thing I'd really want to hear more from you about, Rachel, is Opstars. Because I think OpStars does represent that tipping point. And guys, we're not going to tell you that OpStars is the end-all be of all things. But when organizations like OpStars form, they usually represent some critical sea change in how people think about a a function like operations. So tell us a little bit more about OpStars and tell us about how that projects this arc to strategy for operations professionals.
1: OpStars for lean data has been a lot of our, let's call it secret sauce, to both understanding where the world is going and also in helping to give back to our customers. And so what's really powerful about OpStars, to answer your question, is I think we had started the seeds of it. Evan Liang, our CEO, started it eight years ago in a by pulling folks together in a restaurant during Dreamforce, was there was this group of individuals who were thought leaders, who were behind the scenes, really trying to solve the problems that existed in sales and marketing, the disconnects, the fact that we had broken processes. And we've continued to attract those like-minded individuals. And they really bring such rich thinking, problems they've solved, ways they're going about helping to transform the company that it's a really great community. There's just a rich set of individuals and they're also like super genuine people like those problem solvers who are humble and behind the scenes. It's just a phenomenal group of folks. And it's for me, the, I get such great pleasure being able to facilitate the conversations, helping them to tell their stories. Cause they don't usually get, you know, you just get a voice when you're sitting in, you so yeah, I'm really excited. We now have a, managing a director of OpStars. So I was kind of managing it, not really, but we were putting on some events and we launched the podcast, but we're really excited because it's its own industry community. And we really feel like, you know, it's a way for us to give back, but we also get a lot back out of it.
0: Well, and I want to continue the conversation, Rachel, because I feel like we're talking about how the transition occurs for organizations from sort of being in the weeds, the guys in the basement, the girls in the basement, the people in the basement, to being the organization that's not just about fixing stuff, but saying this is the future, and this is how we intend to lead. And what I want to talk to you about is this rise of the revenue operations function in the C-suite. So I'd love it if you rejoin me. Rachel, interested to talk more about RevOps with me?
1: Oh, I would love that. Can't get enough of it, Doug.
0: All right. Fantastic. So, Rachel, thanks for joining the podcast. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator podcast. Thanks to Rachel McBeardy, the Chief Customer Officer at Lead Data, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Rachel and I are going to discuss the rise of the CRO, Chief Revenue Operations Officer. If you can't wait until our next episode, and would like to learn more about Rachel. You can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit the Lean Data website. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about, folks. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen Strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.